Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Today is April 3rd, and I had to work on some research data yesterday, so the podcast will be on an old post when we were still in the gram positives. We'll be talking today about two gram-positive streptococci, Streptococcus pneumoniae and the Viridin streptococci. Streptococcus pneumoniae is the most common cause of bacterial pneumonia, acute rhinosinusitis, bacterial meningitis, and otitis media. All of these infections involve the mucosal surfaces and respiratory tract, so it shouldn't be surprising that this organism has an IgA protease to reduce that mucosal defense mechanism. This organism is a diplococcus that's described as a lancet, which really just means it's diamond-shaped. It is catalase negative, like all the streptococci, and produces the alpha hemolysis pattern on blood augers. It is optochin-sensitive and bile-soluble, which both distinguish it from viridin streptococci. Pneumococcal pneumonia is typically lobar, meaning that on imaging, you can almost see the lines of the lobe. It also creates a rust-colored sputum because of the hemoptysis and the phlegm. In contrast to Staphylococcus aureus pneumonia, which is patchy and looks more like cotton candy is stuck inside the chest. Even though we have a very effective vaccine strategy for this organism, there are multiple serotypes that sneak past the vaccine. Children can receive the protein-conjugated vaccine, which activates T-cell activity, Adults over 65 receive the polysaccharide vaccine, which only activates B-cells, because T-cells cannot recognize sugars, only proteins. The polysaccharide is a common part of the capsule of many serotypes of Streptococcus pneumoniae. This organism has an important virulence factor called pneumolysin. This enzyme can paralyze respiratory cilia and reduces the inflammatory response. Viridin streptococci are just a large group of streptococcal species. They aren't a single organism called Streptococcus viridans. That's not a thing. Don't do the thing. These are all lumped together because they don't have a capsule like all the other Streptococcus species, so they can't be grouped in the Lancefield organization. So they are also called non-groupable. These are most known for causing dental cavities and infective endocarditis. These organisms are a normal flora of the mouth and are adept at creating sticky gunk to grab onto the enamel of teeth. When either an oral infection or following a dental procedure, these organisms may slide into the bloodstream and travel to the heart. If the valve is damaged or artificial, the sticky group can grab onto the heart valve and create subacute infective endocarditis. Now, excuse me while I go brush my teeth real quick. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A 32-year-old male presents to the emergency room with a 24-hour history of malaise, fever, and has recently become confused. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 103, a blood pressure of 100 over 70, a heart rate of 70, a respiratory rate of 29, and an oxygen saturation of 97% on room air. Blood cultures are taken and grown an organism that is gram-positive, alpha-hemolytic on 5% blood augers, catalase-negative, coagulase-negative, 
optogen-resistant, and hippurate negative what is the most likely causative agent? Is it A, Staphylococcus aureus, B, Staphylococcus epidermidis, C, Streptococcus pneumoniae, or D, Viridid streptococci? First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with a high fever, hypotension, tachycardia, tachypnea, and altered mental status, which is suggestive of sepsis. Choice A, Staphylococcus aureus, would be catalase positive. Choice B, Staphylococcus epidermidis, would be catalase positive. Choice C, Streptococcus pneumoniae, would be optogen sensitive. Choice D, Viridin streptococci, is the only organism that meets all the listed biochemical criteria. Therefore, the correct answer is D, Viridin streptococci. A 14-year-old male presents to the office with an eight-day history of extensive production of nasal mucus, a feeling of pressure in his nose and behind his eyes, and malaise. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 99 degrees Fahrenheit. He states that he doesn't normally have these symptoms in the fall or spring. What is the most likely causative agent? Is it A, Haemophilus influenzae, B, Streptococcus pneumoniae, C, Moraxella cateralis, or D, Staphylococcus aureus? First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with mucopurulent drainage, fever, and facial pain pressure for more than seven days. This is the diagnostic criteria for acute bacterial rhinosinusitis. Acute bacterial rhinosinusitis presents with mucopurulent drainage, this can be posterior or anterior, fever, and a feeling of pain, pressure, or fullness in the nasal passages. If these symptoms last less than seven days, you can suspect a viral infection. If they last more than seven days, you can suspect a bacterial infection. If they occur frequently during the fall or spring, you can suspect allergic rhinitis, although this is often associated with watery drainage rather than mucopurulent. The most common cause of acute viral rhinosinusitis is adenovirus. The most common cause of acute bacterial rhinosinusitis is streptococcus pneumoniae by far. This question stem is super vague, and it's intended to be. An unfortunate gigantic amount of board's questions seem to love this level of vagueness. They are requiring you to diagnose the patient correctly and then remember one fact, that streptococcus pneumoniae is the most common cause of bacterial rhinosinusitis. It's stupid, but it's the game. Therefore, the correct answer is B, streptococcus pneumoniae. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.